journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Good afternoon, everybody at High FM. Hope everybody is well. I had a beautiful Shabbos, a wonderful weekend. Um, Pesach is in the air. I can smell it. You can see it around in the shops. Everybody is starting their frenetic buying, coming, going, organizing, inviting. Um, we are preparing ourselves for the Festival of Freedom, and I'm looking really, really forward. I hope you are too. But in the meantime, we carry on studying the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 39. We are now going to see probably the first um, example of outward sexual harassment, something that we see every single day, something that we see a lot in the news and in the tabloids, and how um, how difficult it was um, to overcome. So if you are following in, we are going to look at verse 11, that is chapter 39, verse 11 of the book of Genesis. As always, I love your comments, I love your questions. 34519 is our SMS number, 061-895-1019, our telegram line. Where we finished off uh, last time was that we were looking at Yosef, Joseph. Joseph finds a very, very good job in the house of Potiphar, um, who was uh, one of the, like, he was basically a minister of uh, Paro, some say that he was uh, the, the chief butcher, but he was a very, very wealthy man and um, he trusts Joseph. He trusts Yosef a lot and he puts him in charge of his entire household. And for an entire year, uh, Yosef runs it very fastidiously. He doesn't take a cent. He runs everything with an honesty that is absolutely incredible and all seems to be going well, except that we have Mrs. Potiphar, who finds herself unbelievably attracted to, uh, what's her name, um, to, to uh, Yosef, and it seems that it causes a, a lot of hassle. She is very, very, very frustrated because he doesn't want to really take notice of her. If you recall as well, is that uh, when we were learning the verses, it says that Potiphar gave him his entire household except his wife, um, meaning don't you dare touch my wife. You're in charge of everything else. You're not allowed to touch my wife. And Yosef uh, does exactly that. But Mrs. Potiphar, on the other hand, is very, very attracted to Yosef, and she tries her best to entice him, to allure him, and he is forever resisting until dot, 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 a day. Verse 11, It was one such day, Joseph comes to the work, to do his work, and there are no men, the, the men of the house are not in this house. So this is happening now just in terms of time, one year after she began trying to seduce Joseph. What are we told? We're told that Joseph came home to review the accounts and to go over the books. There were none of the household staff that were there. And why? Because it was a day 
that that was a public holiday in Egypt. What public holiday was it? Well, as we know, um, the Nile um, was considered a god. And one of the ways that Egypt gets its waters is that the Nile floods and irrigates um, the, the surrounding areas. And it was the first day that the Nile rose. It had overflowed its banks and it started irrigating the lands of the Egyptians. And so it was common practice that all the Egyptians presented themselves on the banks of the Nile to offer sacrifices to their God. So the only one who did not partake in these festivities was Yosef himself, was Joseph himself. Um, And Potiphar's wife saw this as an opportunity. She feigned being ill. She feigned being sick. She used that as an excuse to remain alone at home with Yosef. And she said, look, I now have an incredible opportunity. I'll have him all alone with me, and we have the whole house to ourselves. And what she actually goes and does is she locks up all the doors. Now, there are a few opinions as to exactly what day of the week it was. One opinion holds that this was on the Shabbat. Uh, Yosef had shoved himself into a room to study the Torah, the Torah lessons that he had learned from his father, that he shouldn't forget them. And that's why it says, La'asot melachto. He was there to do his work. What was his work? His work, like you and me now, sitting and studying Torah and learning mitzvot. So that's what he was, um, he, he, he was doing. Another opinion actually goes and says that he, he had come in to do the books of account, as, as, as we said, And we are going to now look at a few words of the verse that look very strange. It says, And there wasn't men of the household staff there in the house. But it's kind of like superfluous. If you want to say there's nobody at home, then say, there was no, no, no people at home. Why do you have to say the Anshei Habayit, the men of the home, were not at home? What is that all about? So our rabbis go and explain that this perhaps was one of the hardest, hardest um, tests that Yosef had to overcome. Understand, physiologically, he's a 17-year-old, young, strapping, beautiful, handsome guy. He's far away from his mother, his father, his family, his ability to to conduct himself in in, in a holy way. He's in a place that is full of debauchery and, and, and immorality. Mrs. Potiphar has been a thorn in his side, and she continues to seduce him. And the Torah comes to say, Ein ish anshei habayit asher babayit, to teach us that he was talking about that he was arguing within himself that there was no man inside of himself. He was struggling with the fact that he had to be a man and he was trying to find the man inside of himself. What does that mean? It means that Yosef thought to himself like this, if I commit such a sin, I will not deserve to be called a man because why? I am then like an animal that follows desires with no regard to consequences, okay? And he was like feeling pretty weak. It was really, really, really hard to tell Mrs. Potiphar no. 
So this Anshay Habayit was really the psychological discussion that Yosef was having with himself, that if I don't create a man inside of me, if I don't create somebody who can control his desires, I'm, I'm rendered useless. I'm like an animal because an animal doesn't sit and have a whole lot of, a whole lot of questions. We were also taught, taught that Yosef was able to meditate on his father's face and conjure up his image as if Jacob was standing by a window. And he, 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 so to speak, metaphorically heard his father say, Yosef, Yosef, the, sons of my, the names of my sons are destined to be engraved on the breastplate worn by the coin goddle, excuse me, by the high priest. For a moment's pleasure, do you want your name erased from the breastplate? Another opinion says that he saw the visions of his mothers, Rachel and Leah, and they also told him that. And others also said that he looked into the mirror, and he, remember, he looked exactly like his father. So when he looked into the mirror and projected his image on the mirror, it re immediately reminded him of his father, and that actually stopped him from, from committing adultery with Mrs. Potiphar. One last opinion goes and says that he thought about the Evan Shtia, that foundation stone from which we are told the whole world was created. The Evan Shtia is sitting on, in Jerusalem on that mountain that is so full of disputes still to today, but where our temples rested and where the Kodesh Kadoshim, the Holy of Holies, was found. And he said, if I commit the sin, I destroy the world. For we know that the sin of adultery brings plague to the world and both the good and bad are taken together. Now, why was Mrs. Potiphar being so insistent? Well, you're going to have to wait until after the break so that we can get that done. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. So why was Mrs. Potiphar so insistent? Other than that, Yosef was a very, very handsome man. We're told that she saw in the stars that she would have descendants through Yosef, which, truth be said, she was not wrong. Okay, because what happens really down the line is that Yosef actually marries Potiphar's daughter, Osnat. So Mrs. Potiphar thought maybe it, it was her, and so that just actually riled her up even more. So what happens? She grabs him by his garment, and she says to him, lie with me, sleep with me. He leaves the garment in her hand. He leaves the garment in her hand and he flee, flees going outside. Now, before we carry on, I just want to talk a little bit about a concept called Yehud. Yehud is a set of laws that have been promulgated by the rabbis to ensure that none of us land up in the situation of Mrs. Potiphar and Yosef. We know, um, and we don't need to be uh, educated about this, unfortunately the world um, is full of it everywhere, that number one, sexual energy and the, the, the um, attraction between opposite sexes is an incredibly strong power in this world. And whilst right now 
I don't want to get into the topic of why it is. Let's just accept that it is. Torah recognizes that and therefore puts in a whole set of laws, halachot, that do not allow men and women to to um, be together in a room by themselves at any time during the day or night. Um, and this is called the laws of Yehud. So I want to just go through some rudimentary laws um, which, uh, which, which, which pertain. It is a very, very, very big subject. But nevertheless, if we know that we keep to these laws, then we make sure that we don't put ourselves ever in an insidious position um, of being raped or being put in a position that we do not want to. So let's just go through some of them. A married woman and a man, married or unmarried, is not allowed, or an unmarried woman, a woman is not allowed to be in a, in a secluded room with a strange man during the day um, or at night. The halakha says as follows, if one, for example, is sitting um, in a meeting, um, which happens today, women find themselves in places of, uh, of importance and of leadership, and they're running a meeting, she has to ensure that, A, her office is accessible, B, even better, that there is ability for people to see through the office door, and, and, and C, that um, other people know that she is in the room. So an, a meeting with a woman during the day in an office, secluded, um, has to have certain criteria that I've just described. If it is at night, it poses even more of a problem. Um, this probably would be in a, a, a situation, for example, when a woman is in a home by herself and say she has a house guest who is a strange man, she is not allowed to remain in the house alone with him unless A, her husband is in town, B, he is able to walk in at any point in time, and that, um, you know, that, that, that it is known that this, this situation um, is, is, is something that, uh, that, that, you know, that the situation has occurred. If, for example, a woman is wanting to take an Uber home by herself at night, it is, it's looked down upon, but if it is to happen, then one should ensure that the doors of the car are remained open. Many women go and say that you also have to roll down the windows so that the outside can always see what is happening on the inside. This applies both to men and to women. And so I'm giving you like maybe two, three examples. Um, another would be when one goes to visit a doctor um, and this is something that we know we've unfortunately seen can lead to, 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 to sexual harassment. And that is that one needs to um, make sure that if one is going to a male doctor, a female doctor, and you're going into a consulting room to make sure that the room is accessible by the nurses, you can request that um, 
the door remains open or that the door remains unlocked or that you can go with your husband. But that is another situation where one has to worry about the laws of Yehud. The laws of Yehud apply from the ages of bar and bat mitzvah. And it is of utmost importance that parents actually um, are cognizant of where their kids are going, what they are doing, and where they are staying. Um, so not to allow ever a situation that would be a fertile ground for, for, for any type of inappropriate sexual misconduct. Um, I've really, really touched it in its, in its, in its, uh, uh, like uh, the tip of the iceberg. There are many, many situations, and there are what happens if there is one girl and three guys. What happens if there's three girls and one guy? And what happens if this and what happens if that? The best is to speak to a rabbi. The most important idea that I'm trying to bring to your attention is that these laws exist, and they exist to protect us. And I believe that. These laws would go very, very far if people were cognizant of them. They would go very, very far in, um, in, in curbing rape, sexual harassment, or sexual abuse, or anything else that, that, um, that, that can and has occurred, as we have seen in the past. Um, I have a, call, uh, a message here, what happens if one wants to? Well, if you want to, then you want to. And that is <laughs> that is on 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 your your uh, your your account, um, and obviously then there are a whole lot of other laws that you might and probably would be transgressing, such as adultery, etc., etc. Um, generally, most people, if we are uh, you know of, of of moral stature, want to stay away from these things, and this therefore are the laws. Here we could see in terms of Mrs. Potiphar and Yosef. This wasn't really uh, watched um, appropriately. And so we have now Mrs. Potiphar uh, raping Yosef, grabbing his garment and demanding that he sleeps with her. And he basically just kind of like slips out of his tunic and he flees outside. Um, obviously, the intimation here is that he almost he basically flees in his underwear. When she sees that he left his garment in her hand and he flees outside, she starts calling for Anche Beta, for the, for the men of her house, for the, the, the men of her household. They obviously come running. There was obviously some type of system. Okay, but Tomelahem, and she says to them, Lamor, look, Hevi Lanu Ishivri. You brought a Hebrew man, like a Hebrew uh, man came into this household. We kind of like almost see a tinge of anti-Semitism here too. Letzachek Banu, he's been flirting with us. Ba'elai, he came to me, lishkav imi, he came to lie with me, he came to seduce me, to rape me. Ve'ekra bekol gadol, and I am screaming out with a very loud voice. Ve'ehike and you can see that when I lifted up my voice, the ekra, and I called out, the yaazov bigdo etli, he left his garment with me, vayanas, and he fled, vayetehachutza, he went out into uh, 
the he went out into the outside. So here is the framing of Yosef. Obviously, it was the vice versa. She was trying to uh, rape him. He r runs away um, out of fear for um, for his life, and then she turns the entire story around. Um, and uh, and and now she blames him and says, "Look, he came to rape me. He was flirting with me. He demanded to lie with me." And uh, he, what's her name? He, he, he ran away now. Now, one of the other things that I'm going to tell you is because she lands up being proved wrong. But one of the things for her to try prove that Yosef did what he did is that she took the white of an egg and she spilt it on her bed just to add to the alibi um, of what Yosef did. Now, we are told very interestingly um, there is an opinion that Yosef actually created a likeness of himself. He created a type of golem. Now, we know the word golem from the golem of Prague, right? So let's just talk about the golem of Prague so you, you understand, and then we'll come back to what Yosef did. We know that in the 15th and 16th century, there was a lot of anti-Semitism in Europe, particularly in Prague. Um, that was headed up by Rabbi Yehuda Lowy, who was known as the Maharal of Prague. He was a very, very holy man, a very righteous man, the leader of the Jewish people then. And at, at that point in time, what, what the non-Jews were doing, there was a lot of anti-Semitism as they were trying to prove that Jews need blood for Pesach, the, the typical blood liable. And so the, what they used to do is they used to kidnap a Christian child just before uh just before Pesach, and then he used to disappear, and then they used to find him dead, and they used to go and say, see, the Jews killed him, and then that would just give permission for the entire non-Jewish population to go and uh, slaughter the Jewish people. So there was one year where the, where, where the Maharal of Prague, before Pesach, went down to a river, and he created a man that was mute, and he, was, uh, um, he, he basically was called a golem because he had no power of speech, he was basically almost like a robot in human form. And he used to patrol um, the streets of Prague uh, to ensure that the non-Jews could not get up to their shenanigans. Anybody who's been to Prague knows the story in detail. He's actually a, a very, very, it's a very, very interesting character. And um, it's a... Uh, it's, it's something that I've had the privilege of going and seeing with my own very eyes. Understanding that, okay, um, let's go back to uh, this golem. So we are told Yosef was a tzaddik. He was a very, very uh, spiritual guy. He didn't know how to get rid of Mrs. Potiphar because of her shenanigans. And so what he did is he created a kind of golem um, as a perfect double of himself. And when she said, sleep with me, he let that golem get into bed with her. When she realized that <laughs> she had um, actually was lying next to a golem, not to the real Yosef, that is when she threw a tantrum. And how do the rabbis learn this? They look at the word beged. Beged means a garment, right, that she landed up holding the garment. It also come beged can be read as the word bagad. Bagad means to deceive, which means that is how uh, Yosef deceived her. And uh, we're also told, by the way, that this is what Sarah, 
um, foremother did with Paro. If you remember when Avram and Sarah went down to Egypt, they uh, Avram said, this is my sister. Paro decided that she was just so beautiful, Sarah, that he would abduct her, and he too wanted to rape her. It says that she, this is th this one opinion, that she too created a golem. She created a like an image of herself, um, and then when Paro realized that he wasn't with the real Sarah, that's when it all hit the fan, and he landed up getting... Uh, punished and getting a disease and him having a fight with Abraham. Interestingly, interestingly, the same opinion says that's what Esther did to Achashverosh. Because Esther, if you know the story intimately, <laughs> excuse the pun, she was married to Mordechai. Now, Esther was taken against the will to the palace, okay, and now she has to go and sleep with the king that would be uh, that would be adultery. So we're told that she too created some type of like uh, android, some type of golem, um, and um, that's how they got away from not committing adultery. So that was really really interesting. Um, that whether it was that he just managed to slip out of his tunic or that he created a golem, nevertheless, Mrs. Potiphar had the absolute unbelievable. Um, chutzpah to create to turn the entire thing around and um, you know get Yosef into in, 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 into trouble so she yells out for everybody and she, uh, she, 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 she she calls out and says listen guys this is where where, where we're at IFM 101.9 megahertz of life Welcome back, and uh, we're discussing quite a hairy topic. Just to put a few more uh, things in place um, from messages sent, there are halachic indications to, uh, to uh, Yichud. You can find them in the Shulchan Aruch. You can find them in the Code of Jewish Law. You can look them up. I'm sure that places like Chabad.org, Ash.com, there will be many places where they will discuss it. Um, it's, it's all about an awareness um, and again, as I said, this topic, and uh, I have much to say on it, it's not, it's not the time and place now to talk about sexual energy, sexual attractiveness has, uh, to a man and a woman, why it is there, but just to understand for now that it is perhaps the most powerful um, emotion and powerful attraction that is out there. And therefore, as Jewish people, we have to be unbelievably careful, careful that we do not uh, allow ourselves to be put in insidious positions where this energy can be used in a wrong situation. So going back now to the story of Potiphar and his, uh, uh, Mrs. Potiphar and Yosef, she keeps the garment next to her until the master comes home, until Mr. Potiphar comes home. And basically, she retells to him the entire story. She tells to him in the same manner, again saying, This Hebrew um, slave came to me, that you, you, now she's blaming him, that you brought us. He was very frivolous with us. He was flirting with us. When I lifted up my voice for Ekra and I, called out by Yazov Big Door Etzli Vayanas Hachutza. 
he left his clothes with me and he fled outside. And when Mr. Potiphar heard what his wife had said, I love that which he said, is this what my servant would do to me? By Yichar Apo, he became incensed. Understandably so. Like which man would not be incensed that what now seemingly is, is that his, uh, that his, that, 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 that his wife was being raped by the guy that he gave his entire household to. Now, what really happens next is very interesting. Vayikach Adonai Yosef Otto, his master takes him, Vayitnehu at Beit HaSohar, he puts him in prison. He puts him in a place that holds the prisoners of the king. And he stays there in the dungeon. This dungeon was an awful place. We were told that it was an underground pit. It was closed on all sides. There was only a small opening on top, i.e. that was the only entrance, and it only had one source of life. Now, the Torah tells us that at first Potiphar was very angry, okay, understandably, and he wanted to kill Yosef. But the Midrash tells us that he stopped thinking about it. He stopped to think it over, and he realized that he could hang Joseph on nothing. He couldn't hang him on anything. He never, ever, ever not even took a morsel of bread from him. We went through how fastidious Yosef was and how honest he was with the dealings of Potiphar. And he knew that Joseph was a God-fearing man. Do you remember we spoke about the fact that Joseph was standing there one day and Potiphar said, what are you, what incantations are you doing? Because I know a lot of magic. Like, is this what makes you and by, by, by extension me so successful? And Yosef said, no, I, I pray to, to God, not to any idol. I don't have any magic. He knew that he was unbelievably honest. And so when he started thinking about it, Potiphar understood, and he had a lot of strong suspicions that his wife was not telling him the truth. Okay? Um, and uh, he, he actually took, we're told, he took uh, the evidence, the egg white, to a number of physicians, and they went and said to him, this is egg white. It's not what Mrs. Potiphar was intimating it to, to be. Um, very interestingly, there was a, the Talmud actually talks about a man who wanted to divorce his wife, but he didn't want to pay the high alimony that was stipulated in the Kitabah in his marriage contract. So he decided the only way he can get out of it is if he trumps up a case of adultery against her, because if he can prove that she committed adultery, he didn't have to pay her alimony. So what did he do? He made a huge party, the Talmud says. He invited a number of friends. He gave them lots to drink. And he made sure that his wife also got good and drunk. And when everybody was in a stupor, he took one of his friends. He put him down on a bed next to his wife. He poured some egg white between them. And while they were sleeping, because they were so drunk, he called into witnesses. He showed them the so-called evidence on the sheet. And he said, look, I'm showing you this evidence. And my wife has committed adultery. And we're going to the Beth Den and we're going to be exempt from paying alimony. Obviously, the wife came to the court. She uh, protested her innocence. And there was uh, the, the, the presiding rabbi was a student of Shammai. His name was Baba Ben Buta. And Baba Ben Buta said, I have a tradition. 
I've been taught that when egg white is brought near a fire, it coagulates and becomes, becomes hard. Semen, on the other hand, decomposes by heat and will be absorbed in the sheet. And they made the test and they found out that it literally was egg white. The court made man pay his former wife the full alimony. And so we are told, um, the Midrash brings, that Potiphar made use of that and discovered the truth. But he couldn't, he couldn't do too much. His hands were tied, Potiphar, because um, he knew that if he goes and tells his wife that, uh, you know, goes and tells the truth, then it, there'll be, excuse the pun now, a lot of egg on his face, okay? Um, because then they would have gone and said that his wife was a prostitute, a whore. They would have gone and said maybe his children were all bastards. It, it just would have brought him down in his social standing. So he had to almost keep to the the, the alibi that his wife had made. He didn't want, he, he could have, he should have killed Yosef, but he knew that in truth, it, he didn't commit adultery. So the, the kindest thing he could do to Yosef was just throw him into, in, 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 into prison. And that is where uh, Yosef, Yosef uh, remained. A very, very intriguing story. And it's, it's, it's quite, quite unbelievable to see that even in biblical times, you know, the stories that unfortunately make the headlines today, uh, that this type of behavior um, has happened, you know, many, 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 many years ago. And it's something that is just part of human nature. Nevertheless, the most important thing that I do want to bring out over here is that um, the Torah is very cognizant of human nature, very cognizant of how hard it is to maintain morality and therefore has put in restrictions, not because they're, 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 they are bad, but, but are rather they actually protect the human being. And that there's a spillover to this as well, and I'm just going to touch on it for just a minute or two before um, our show ends. The same thing, you know, people find it very uh, prudish when a, a, a woman refuses to shake the hand of a strange man or to get a hug or a kiss, even though we understand that there's a lot of social social etiquette, if I may put it in inverted commas, to this, there is no social etiquette. I personally know of an adulterous relationship that started with um, hugging and mixed dancing at a bar mitzvah. Um, and I personally know that story. I'm sure there are many, many others. The Torah understands that, 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 that this energy as I said in the beginning, is um, very, very powerful. It needs to be um, enjoyed in its right time, right place, with right people. And therefore, anything that is not in the right time, place, and person, um, one is not allowed to cross over those boundaries in order to protect oneself. And finally, I just want to, to bring out further that we should stand in awe of Yosef. We should stand in incredible awe that a 17-year-old young boy who had nobody, who for once in his life became somebody and was being paid handsomely and had the world at his feet, if he had acquiesced to Mrs. Potiphar, um, I don't know where history would have taken us, um, but certainly he would not have risen to the stature that he was and he certainly would not have been the savior of the Jewish people. He simply would have would seemingly have saved himself.
But Yosef had enough moral standing, enough integrity, enough understanding to know that there is a time where you have to perhaps sacrifice everything in order to be morally correct. And so kudos to Yosef and our hat goes off to him and an incredible lesson to us that we too should always learn and know and maintain a, a level of moral integrity that is superior to the rest of the world and the way the world reacts. And with that, I leave you. Thank you for joining me today on 101.9 Chai FM. I look forward to talking to you again and finding out what happens to Yosef further on. Have a great week ahead.